Welcome to the Reliance Community Podcast. Worship with us on Sunday mornings at 9 o'clock or 10.45 a.m. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. I'm going to share just about Carl real quick. Um, If you ever need one of those guys that will just listen to your heart and then respond back with the heart of Jesus, I'm I'm just going to tell you. I know it's not, he'll he'll tell you, it's not me, man, it's not me, and and it's not. It's the Lord inside of him. But he comes today because we absolutely love this guy. We love his heart. We love his heart for the Lord and just really believe that the Lord has anointed him with the love of the Father. And so as he speaks, as he teaches, as he preaches today, I pray that you would hear that the words that come off of the mouth of his lips, that the, 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 the words that he shares with you today is something that God put in his heart for reliance today. And so I just want to pray over him and encourage him today, and then um, we're going to receive what the Lord has given him today. So Father, we thank you so much for Carl. We thank you that these words are not his. God, that these words have always been yours, but you've birthed them in his heart for this place, for this time, for this season, for such a time as this. And so, Lord, I pray um, that when Carl shares today, God, that he would feel, um, God, the, there's no pressure in this room of anything except for resting in you. And so I thank you, Jesus, that today at Reliance we get to receive from a man that we honor in this place. In Jesus' name we pray these things. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Can you guys welcome Carl amen. today? Amen. Amen. Yeah, so it's good to be here. Um, I'm usually sitting out there with you guys. Um, I've known the Wallaces for a while, um, and after a lot of therapy and <laughs> things like that, and just coping better and better all the time. No, actually, um, I met Aaron uh, when I met him. I was a full-time youth pastor. My wife and I, our family, uh, we moved here to Wichita um, about 20 years ago, and from St. Louis, Missouri. Um, born and raised in Nebraska. Sorry. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I remember the Big Eight. Anybody remember the Big Eight? Yeah, right on. That's that's back when we we all had like two bye weeks, like your normal one, and then the KU week. Um, just kidding. <laughs> Sorry. Just just had to get that out there. Whatever. That's pointless. Um, anyway, um, so we yeah we moved here, and uh, I'm, you know there's a lot going through my heart and my mind this morning. Um, one of the things on my heart is, uh, I remember a conversation Aaron and I had, I don't know how many years ago, um, there's a guy named Josh McDowell, I think it was a Josh McDowell thing, was that the deal? Yep. It was at Coke Arena, uh, back when Josh McDowell was like, everybody doing youth ministry was doing Josh McDowell stuff. Um, anyway, there's this big event at Coke Arena. And uh, I remember walking in, and all the youth guys are bringing all the youth groups. You know, that's just citywide thing kind of deal. And as we're, uh, as we're walking in to the arena, um, I caught Aaron, and we just saw each other. And we're like, hey, dude, what's up? You know, we did the typical youth pastor thing. Hey, bro, yo, yeah, lo- mm, yeah, love you, all that stuff. And it just hit me. Um, and I know it was the Lord. It wasn't me being, like, wise and smart. Uh, I just went, you know... Everybody's coming to this with all this enthusiasm and excitement because Josh McDowell came to do an event. How, what about the day when the day comes that we don't need anybody famous to come to town and we just go, Jesus is here and we're going to gather around him? Because he, he is a little better than Josh McDowell. Nothing against Josh McDowell, right? And I just went, there's something in our culture that we're so... 
used to it being like this entertainment personality, activity-driven thing. And the kingdom is, is Jesus. I mean, it's, he's, at the, he's the king at the heart of the kingdom. And our, our highest, most exciting privilege is we get to know him. We just get to know him. And on top of that, we get to know him together. Where two or three are gathered, what? He's there. There's something about that. It's just we don't go solo following Christ. He's like community. Um, it's a big deal. So I feel like the season we're in right now as a community of believers in this whole area, the Lord's doing something so unique. Um, and it's he's basically exalting himself. We're singing it. We're praising him more. I remember when uh, music on Sunday morning wasn't like it is right now. Um, and I'm not bashing it. I just know we've, we've switched from music that's about Christ, that we rejoice in the truth, which is good, to singing to him and adoring him, like genuinely, actually adoring him. Um, that's different. Uh, religion is like rejoicing in information or liking information or whatever. Um, the kingdom is relationship, and I know him. I get to know him. Um, so anyway, let's... Uh, if you would, if you have your Bibles, um, I know we're in 1 John, and I'm going to be all over the place. Uh, I'll try and stay a little focused. For me, that's, that's kind of hard, actually. Um, yeah, I usually have like two or three things going through my mind at once. Um, but 1 John is uh, where we want to be, and this is really what I felt like uh, for this morning, just a simple word is about love, which um, I'll be honest, to me, I don't know if it's my generation or whatever, I'm 50, I'm older, um, ask my kids, they think I'm ancient, uh, but when I, you know, say, oh, it's all about love, it sounds kind of, kind of weak, maybe, but you know, this is, do I need to switch something? I'll keep trying, okay. This thing about, it's all about love sounds kind of weak. I don't know if it strikes you that way. I'm not saying it is. It's like, oh, that sounds kind of touchy-feely. Does anybody feel that way? When you, no, no, just me? Okay, that's cool. I've spent a lot of my life like that. Just, you know, it's just me, I guess. Um, but the Lord started speaking to my heart about love. I'm going to read 1 John chapter 4, verse 8, and then verse 19. These, these are big. This is a big deal. Verse 8 says, the one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. So that's kind of a big deal. God is love. He's not just loving. He is love. Verse 19 says, we love because he first loved us. So I want to highlight love this morning and just um, the whole reason for all of this thing is love. It's not just like truth or like this is right and it's factual and it's accurate, so it's good. Well, that's true, but God is love. And uh, John 3, 16, for God so loved. It's like, so he loved, and since he loved all this, Jesus came, we have a chance for redemption. It's because of the love of God. And it's not just that he calls us to be loving, he himself is love. That's a big deal to me. Um, I've spent most of my Christian life uh, trying to do the right thing because of fear. I grew up with fear of punishment. Like you step out of line, here comes the boom, you know? 
Um, any, can you relate? It's like, don't mess up because you don't want to get a whooping. I'm not saying you shouldn't spank your kids or something. I'm not getting all off on that. It's just living in fear of transgression. I go, you know, it's healthy to go, uh, if I sin, I should be afraid of what happens after that. Because, you know, we reap what we sow. We shouldn't sin and say, who cares? I mean, that's not wisdom. That's not smart. But the kingdom isn't be afraid of punishment. It's more than that. Um, If we didn't sin just because we don't want to get punished, that would be smarter than sinning. Do you agree? It's like it's just, but we don't have to obey God. And actually, obeying him is, uh, loving him is more than obedience. I can obey the, the law of the land, police off, you know, I can obey police officers' uh, speed limit. I can obey. That does not mean I love people. I can, ob- I can obey a teacher at school. That does not mean I love them. You know, or I'm, I can obey my boss. That's where I'm at now. I can obey him. That does not mean I love him. But why? You know, so here's the deal. I'm like, Lord, you want more than just keep it in line. There's a higher law. There's a greater call. It's the love of God filling us and consuming us and then coming out of our lives. That's it. We're made. You know, in doing youth ministry, um, it's a normal thing for like 15, 16, 17, 18-year-olds in that bracket in, in college age you know, the, there's like, like some primary questions that they're, they're, think, they're like focused on. It's like, you know, what am I supposed to do with my life? Like, what, you know, it's kind of like when you're in junior high, you're like, just blah, just running around, having fun. Everything's great. Sugar, sugar, all that stuff. That's, again, that's my life. But when you get a little older, you're like, oh, man, I got to like think of something next. I can't just kind of wake up in the morning. What am I, where am I supposed to go to college? What am I supposed to do? Big question. Um, you want me to switch? Is it? Okay, that's good. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get this stuff out of my pocket just because, like I said, I'm really easily distracted. There you go. I'm gonna try and take this off without being. I know. That would be fun. Wow. Like I just pulled the case off. Okay. Is this on? Okay, it is on. Awesome. Well, I'm one handed now, so hopefully that'll. Uh, won't distract me too much. I usually have my hands flying around. So anyway, this thing of, what was I even talking about? Does anybody remember? Uh, I'm just saying. Junior high. Okay, the questions of like, what am I supposed to do? Who am I supposed to marry? It's like, those are the things that just consume us. Like, what am I, what, why am I here? Does that sound familiar? You can be 50 and be honestly going like, what's this really all about? Here's what you're here for. To be filled with the love of God for his glory. That's it. It's not what we do. It's his glory filling us and flowing through us. It's his glory, his love. Not us trying to love, but his love consuming us, filling us, and flowing out of us. Um, I'm looking at my son-in-law. He's right there. That's Marcus. I love Marcus. Marcus is an electrician. Um, and uh, I know I work in the trade industry. I actually um, do construction stuff, remodeling stuff. And I'm just thinking of, like, being out on the job site, surrounded by a bunch of guys who only know how to use the Lord's name in very uncomfortable ways. And God's like, love them. Love them. Let, I can try and be Christian, 
That's one way to go about it. The other way is for the love of God to fill me. God is love. And I'm at a point in my life where I'm just going, Lord, I, I finally kind of caught this. It's um, Psalm 46.10, if you want to turn there real quick. Psalm 46.10, um, it's a familiar verse. Uh, In the NIV, it says, be still, but it says this in, in the NASB, cease striving and know that I am God. Cease striving and know that I am God. There's this war going on for us um, in, in American culture to get our eyes off of God, just to be distracted by anything and everything. And in the church, um, a battle that we've been through has been about religion, about try hard to do the right thing. And I remember one time um, waking up in the morning, uh, and I'd heard, I'm laying there half awake, and um, for me, this wasn't normal at all, like, to, like, really hear the voice of the Lord, like, like in a personal, just him speaking to me, not through the word, but just talking to me wasn't my normal. I was a pastor, so that was a bummer. But, so I'm laying in bed, and just barely awake, and I hear the words cease, um, cease striving, and I'm like, and I'm just laying there half away. You know how you hear stuff and you're kind of like aware of it, but you're not really like processing it, you know. And I'm laying there and I hear it again, cease striving. I'm full-time ministry at this point in my life. And, you know, we're on staff and just doing all kinds of fun stuff. And um, then I hear it a third time and it cease striving. And it was so loud, um, I like rolled over in bed. I thought somebody was standing next to me talking. It was that vivid. kind of freaked me out. And I'm looking around the room. And you know, my wife's laying there sleeping and just going, okay, that was weird. Cease striving. Okay, I guess that was God. Oh, so smart, you know. I'm like, I guess that was the Lord. I'm like, okay, Lord, I'll cease striving. I don't know what you're talking about. And, um, you know, it was shortly after that I felt the Lord's prompting to shift from using, I always used, read the NIV, had an NIV study Bible, weighed like 30 pounds, like this thick. It was awesome. It's like I got to work out when I did my devotions, just picking the thing up, and um, and I felt God saying, "Hey, why don't you read the NASB?" I'm like, "Oh, it's not in such a friendly language." It's kind of and like He's going, "No, try the NASB." So I picked it up and come across Psalm 46:10. It says, "Oh, cease striving, because be still and know that I'm God." Kind of like makes me think, "Just sit for a minute, okay? Am I done? All right, I'm gonna get on and be busy again." And the Lord's like, "No, more literally." Quit trying to do this. Quit the trying. Rest in me. Quit trying and rest in me. And I'm like, that just doesn't compute with me because it was very effort-filled Christianity for me. And so I come across this concept of cease striving. I'm like, all right, Lord, I really don't know how to do that. And shortly after that, there's another verse the Lord brought. It was um, Zechariah, if you have your Bibles again, Zechariah 4, verse 6. Um, This was a, a game changer for me. Um, it was a, the, uh, this thing of the Holy Spirit. Now, I grew up believing the Holy Spirit was real and good, and the gifts of the Spirit are real and good. But we were a little scared of the gifts of the Spirit where I grew up. Does that make sense to anybody? Yeah. Okay. So we liked the Holy Spirit, and we liked like the gift of administration, per se. That's comfortable because it helps us to get things done, and we want to get things done. 
But there's this whole reality of the kingdom of God is run by the spirit of God, and it is not catering to the comforts of man. That wasn't my comfort zone. And uh, Zechariah 4.6 uh, says, um, it's not by might. The word of the Lord to Zerubbabel was, it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit. I'm like, okay, by your spirit. So it's not by hard work. He's like, no, might or power. How talented we are, how hard we try, how devoted we are, isn't going get to get, get it to happen. It won't get the job done. It's by the spirit of God. And so we're like, okay, Holy Spirit, that sounds good. Come and do your thing. And we go down the trail um, a little bit more in life. And so I'm just kind of doing a little journey through life here of uh, we come to Wichita. You know God's here. And we're like, God brought us here for something. I don't know what it is. And the Lord starts talking to me about his Holy Spirit. And we, we, we go a little further from, okay, it's not by minor power but by my spirit. To in Corinthians where Paul's talking about preaching. And he says, I came not with basically fine-sounding words but with a demonstration of power of the Holy Spirit. And I remember sitting in my church office and thinking to myself, I read that verse, and the Lord said to me, um, that's not your ministry. Your ministry is characterized by hard work. And it was very clear. I mean, it was the Lord. He wasn't guessing around. And I went, okay. I kind of said, you know, like, uncle, you're right. Um, this, I've been doing this thing my own strength, my own effort. So I need a work of your spirit. I need, I need something different than what I'm bringing to the table. And that's when the Lord opened the door to this concept of being full of the Holy Spirit. Um, I, you know, as a believer, I always felt like, you know, like, yeah, the Holy Spirit is in me. But it was probably not until 2005 or six, you know, way down the road in my life with Christ that I, for the very first time, prayed, Lord, fill me with your, fill me with your spirit. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And so my question, a question for you this morning, is, is, it, is it normal for you to pray that? I know we have some dads out there. Um, I'm, I'm holding off on dad jokes. I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't even put any out there. Like, for instance, what's green and has wheels? <laughs> Grass. I lied about the wheels. Um, just, you know, I didn't put that out there. But I know we have dads out here, okay? I just want to focus. We have, as a dad, do you pray every day, Father, fill me with your spirit? You should. That would be one of the smartest things we could do, is every day, God, fill me with your spirit. It's so simple and so easy to miss. To go through the day in effort and trying and distraction. So here's... This is so, so basic, but I feel like it's so profound where we're at is to turn away from our effort, to turn away from fear of punishment or trying hard to do well to him and say, God, fill me with your spirit. He is love. He's an all-consuming fire, and he wants to fill us with himself. Um, Colossians 1.16. I've got it in here somewhere. Um, it's one of my favorite verses. And it kind of answers that question of like, you know, why am I here? What's the point? What am I doing? Where is it at? Where is it at? Well, I really thought I had it. That's, that's awkward. 
I know what it says. I'll just, uh, <clears throat> this might be a rough quote, but Colossians 1.16 says, Everything was made by him and for him. Without, there's nothing that's been made that wasn't made by Jesus Christ. That's what Colossians 1.16 says. It says, Everything was made by him and for him. So the answer to the question of why am I here, what's it all about is, well, you were made for him. I was made for him. That's really why I'm, why I'm here. I was made to be filled with, you were made to be filled with him. You're a vessel made to be filled with the glory of God because it's his desire. We're made to be filled with Jesus Christ. And when it comes to um, our daily walk in that thing of going through everyday life, back to the, the job site, it's um, the Lord led me out of full-time ministry to working Bible or vocational life, just going, now what do I do with my life? You know, I'm gonna get a, I got a job, worked at a cabinet shop for a while, um, made wooden boxes that we sold for a lot of money. That's kind of weird to do. I don't know if anybody, any cabineteers out there? No, I'm sorry. I just you have to come up with those names so it feels cool. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, now I'm working construction and just going, here I am, and I used to have like this this sense of like we're doing these big things for God and I'm like Lord what am I doing out here um, just cutting wood putting boxes together and then I remember one day I was working in the shop and, and um, my boss let me have a stereo so I had some worship I had worship music going all the time and I'm in this, this kind of this little bubble of enjoyment and like have my worship stuff, I'm going to use power tools and making sawdust. I'm like, yeah, this is cool. I like this. I'm really enjoying myself. And the Lord's like, that's nice. And around the corner from me was a spray booth in our shop where we did all the finish work. And there's a guy in there um, who was a rough dude. And uh, was not walking with the Lord. You know, um, it was just really rough, and he's in there working away, and he's got his radio playing, and it's one of those bands that they, they seem to be really angry, um, a lot of like yelling and undiscernible words, and it's like, wow, that is not happy music, you know, and it's like God's going, well, you're happy, and you're fine, but wh what about him, and I just went, oh, you just ruined my moment, Lord. I was so so comfy, and he's like, "You're fine. I get I'm felt you. I'm, you get a fellowship with me. You get to know me. But what about him?" And it's like, "Ah, uh. see, evangelism evangelism used to be when you ought to, have to, supposed to, whatever, by guilt and force." admit to somebody about Jesus or whatever, you know? Like, I don't know how, to, some of you probably aren't there. I, that's, I grew up, but the word evangelism was not, it did not inspire comfort and joy in my heart. You know, it's like, oh, great, evangelism series, here comes the guilt. And everybody's going to have to commit to share Christ this week. Oh, my word, this is horrible, you know? And so here I am, I said I would, I got to talk to you about Jesus. I'm like, it's just so messed up. I mean, we're talking about Jesus, you know? How hard is it to talk about Jesus? If it's hard, it's on our end. Something's off. You guys have grandkids, right? I mean, you have, I know, see, we're recently in the same boat. Um, we have a grandson, just a little guy running around. 
you know what? It is really super easy to talk about my grandson and show you videos. I mean, I could just go on and on. And I could tell you about how cute he is when he looks at a flower. Because he is. I, I just adore my grandson. I don't struggle to tell anybody about my grandson. I mean, it doesn't mean I tell everybody all the time. But my point is, um, I love him. It's really easy to talk about him. And it's really easy to want to share about him. Doesn't mean you want to hear. I mean, there's other dynamics in there. But at the heart of it is love. Like, I know him. You know, I was, Aaron, I thought he was going to say it like two weeks ago when he was preaching, I think. Um, we were talking about this over coffee once. You know the movie Elf? I'm going to do it. <laughs> I'm going to say it. Okay, I love the movie Elf. I really kind of feel like it's my North Pole life story, almost, sort of. It's just weird to me. I watch him, I'm like, yes, I like sugar too, just like that. Um, if you haven't seen Elf, none of this makes sense. I apologize. You should go watch it for your devotions. It'll be great. Um, but in the movie Elf, he's working in a department store. Okay, I just, I'm sorry. Who, who has not seen the movie Elf? Can I? Awesome. That's okay. Great. So this is relevant. I just wondered how un irrelevant I am because not that I'm uncomfortable with that. Again, most of my life has been a little weird. But in the movie Elf, you remember when he's in the department store? And the dude, the, like the department manager, gets up to, to talk about Santa's coming? What happens? He's like, all right, tomorrow morning, 8 a.m., Santa's coming. And what's he do? I know him! Ah! Honestly, I mean, honestly, we know Jesus, right? I just go, it's, it's that real. He's that real. I mean, he's, I mean, again, it's, I'm sorry, we're switching off of Elf. You know, Jesus Christ is that good. When somebody mentions his name, it's like, ah, I, I know him. Do you, feel, do you feel the shift? Like, from like, oh, do I know him like that? We're supposed to get to know him like that. We're supposed to be like, oh, my word, there is nothing on this planet that amazes me like Jesus Christ. Like, I am gen not, because there's like head amazement. Like, I know he is great. And there's like, oh, wow, I know him. And he, I can't, I just, wow, I know him. Do you know him? And so the guy in the, in the spray booth over there, it's like, Jesus wants him to know him. That's, that's evangelism. Um, as a father, I think about, uh, this happens all the time. Um, when I look at people, and I just think, I look at them like, and I'm reminded, like it hits me. I don't know how to describe it, but it's like how I love and care about my daughters, my son. Like that love hits me for others. I know it's the father because he looks at every man and woman, every boy and girl, like I look at my kids and more as far as love. When he sees, no matter how lost they are, no matter how angry they are, no matter how, um, how much they use short little words that only rhyme with duck, you know. I mean, no matter how bad the culture is, the Lord's like, that's my, I love them more than you love your son. I love them more than you love your daughter. And I want them back. And somebody needs to go get them. Somebody needs to share with them. Here's, here's like a key verse for this morning. Um, wow, I'm so all over. I'm sorry. This is, 
I need like 10 stands so I can spread my stuff out. Um, 2 Corinthians 5. 2 Corinthians 5. This was for me like an epiphany. Revelation. Uh, for the love of Christ controls us. Paul's writing, the love of Christ controls us. The love of Christ compels us, I think it says in the NIV. So you go, Paul, why are you doing all this stuff? What's it all about? He's like, I'm compelled by the love of Christ. That's why I'm here. I'm not here because it's the right thing to do, and I agree with it, and I don't want to go to hell. Definitely the right thing to do. I definitely agree with it, and for sure, I don't want to go to hell. I've already been to Oklahoma. I'm not going back, you know? Um, okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Again, big eight, boomer sooner, nah. I hate that little red wagon. Um, I'm kidding. Not really. Um, I'm sorry. Wow, cartoons in my head. Uh, yeah, it's the love of Christ compels me, or it doesn't. I remember, again, in the same cabinet shop, my wife probably knows this story. I went, I've, I've been through, like, uh, just, uh, like, 10 years of rink being wrung out um, of stuff, religion, self, um, my boss, who was a Christian, and I, I would say this is if he was here, um, had treated me not fairly. I felt completely offended. I won't go into it, and it was, you know, I was right, he was wrong. I know that's true, but that's not my point. Um, I was mad. I was just, like, so frustrated, like, this, is, this has happened, and this has happened, and, and this has happened, and here's all the expectation, and here's all this stuff. And he's a Christian. And I remember... I was, I was in the spray booth, and it's probably because that angry guy's music was, had been in the spray booth. I was struggling. It was his fault, not mine. It wasn't my flesh because I'm so spiritual. But anyway, I'm in the spray booth thinking about all this that had just transpired at work. And, and honestly, as a Christian, there I stood angry. And I wanted really badly to walk out of that booth. This is truth. Sorry. And go to my boss. And cuss him out and say, I'm done. Go find somebody else and walk out the door. I was so mad. I was so frustrated and so tired and so fed up. And this is me, former full-time pastor, processing this and liking the idea of it. And so I'm mad and I'm just storming around. And you know how it is. Um, I, I'm think, I think it's passive aggressive. It's like, it's all inside me. I look happy, but I'm really not. And I'm just like you know, trying not to throw things. I'm just kind of smacking some stuff a little harder than I should because I'm so mad inside, you know. And I walk back around the corner, and there stood my boss at the table working. And I look at him, and I am instantly hit with love. And I was so frustrated. And it's like, I saw him, and I just went, love. And it wasn't like I ought to. I just, I felt the love of God for him. And it totally messed up my anger. For real. And I just went, and God's like, I'm looking at him, and God's like, I love him just like you love your son, Cameron. And I'm just hit with how much I love my son, Cameron, and how much God loves that guy exactly like that. And I'm just feeling God's love for that guy. And it's like, oh, wow. <laughs> Now's not the time to go cuss him out, you know. I just, I'm going, and the Lord's like, why don't you do this? If your son owned a business... This, because he was, he was, like, his owner, like, started it, and I actually, anyway, like, he's the boss over everything, and his dad bought it from him. Long story, not very funny, interesting, so I won't go there. But he's, like, the guy in charge, and God's, like, why don't you just 
treat him like you'd want some guy to treat your son if he was trying to run this business and, and it just had to deal with all that stuff. And I'm like, yeah, I want some guy to be like supportive and encouraging and care and be selfless and be kind, be helpful and care about him. And I'm like, wow, I don't feel that way naturally. And the Lord's going, yeah, that's me. That's his love. That's how he looks, not how I would look. So that was a big shift for me. And I'm, again, going back to this whole thing of compelled by love. And in 1 John where it says, you know, if we hate our brother whom we can see, and we, you know, we say we love God who we can't see, we can't really say we love God. We, this is, let's just go there. 1 John 4, this is kind of the, the heart of things for this morning. Um, to love like God loves. Again, 1 John 4, 8, the one who does not love does not know God. Verse 19, we love because he first loved us. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. It's pretty, that's pretty stern. The one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. This commandment we have from him, that the one who loves God should love his brother also. I feel like this morning the, the focal point is um, to ask God to simply fill us with his love, the revelation of his love. A couple short things. Um, let me check what time it is. Aaron said make sure I don't go over. Um, just, actually, I'm kidding because he told me he gets texts or, like, emails or whatever about, like, don't worry about the clock. Let God lead. I know, yeah, he's like, I didn't tell him to not worry. Anyway, sorry. Um, that was just for Aaron. Um, I feel like this morning the Lord wants us to simply invite him to fill us with his love. And it's that switch from, okay, let's just lay down if we are, I mean, it's a daily thing to lay down trying and invite him to do his kingdom. Um, as a pastor, as a Christian, it's really normal to ask God to help us not do wrong things. But um, I think it's because we're Western American that um, when it comes to what we ought not to do, we say, God, help us. When it comes to what we should do, we try real hard. And it should be, God, fill me. I can't. Only you can. Your king, the kingdom of God is only possible by God. Nobody's smart enough or um, smart enough, uh, strong enough, talented enough. It's not going to come from us. So this concept of loving God falls over into loving our brother. Does that sound familiar? What's the greatest commandment? Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. What's the second? Love your neighbor as yourself. Um, you know, when we stand before the Lord, I don't think he's going to check up on um, how my fantasy football did. He can't because I don't do fantasy football because it's imaginary. So I, I'm not falling for the joke. I know it's not real. Um, we're not going to stand there in front of the Lord going, Lord, uh, did you see my yard before I died? It was so pretty. He's going to say, did you love? Did you love? And I always thought it was interesting because, I, I again, my background was the try-hard Christianity. And um, that when the Lord was asked, what's the greatest commandment, his response wasn't the Great Commission. I wonder why. Why do you think that is? 
because that would have been the perfect spot to say, go make disciples. Go do this for me. Here's why I think it is love instead of great commission. If you love God like he wants you to, like he's inviting you to, if his love fills us for others, you won't be able to shut down the great commission. If we don't have love, we will not be able to do the great commission. Love will do what effort won't. Uh, Mike Bickle's one of my favorite guys. Um, someday I want to meet him and give him a hug. Um, I've met Mac Powell. I gave him a hug. It was awesome. Um, third day guy. He's, anyway, old. Um, <laughs> sorry. Um, he says, and I love this quote, so I'm quoting him. Lovers outwork workers. That hits me like a ton of bricks because I like to work hard and feel good about it. A lot of pride in that, a lot of self in that. But here's, here's, here's an example that always comes to my mind. I think about my family again, how much I love them. Imagine, if you will, a burning house or a burning building, and, and you walk up to it, and you're like, oh, wow, and people are gathered around, fire department's there, and like, yeah, that place is on fire, yo. And they're like, oh, yeah, by the way, there's people in there. You would normally, most people would be moved to do something, right? Like, what should we do? Do we need to help? You know, do we get, well, don't be in the way. Firefighters are here. We'd be thinking about being helpful. If you walk up to the same scenario and they're like, oh, by the way, your wife's in there. Does it move you differently? Will you, will you stand there wondering what you ought to do? Probably not. Sorry, my wife's being distracting to me right now. <laughs> I don't know what she's saying. <laughs> yeah, she's like, like, where have you been? Oh, my word. I figured you must have drove here, and you probably didn't make it because of the way you drive. Anyway, that's a whole other thing. I'm like going, really? It's like I drive without you all the time, and I'm not dead. Leave me alone. Okay? Anyway. Or if you walk up to that building and they're like, hey, your daughter's in there. Hey, your grandson's in there. Your son's in there. Your son-in-law's in there. I'm like, you know what? I will die trying to save them. I won't. I don't want to go, oh, you know what? Well, they're gone, but I'm still here. That feels good. Does that feel good? No. And it's not because it's the right way to feel. It's because of love. God wants to do that inside of us. Instead of, it's, he wants to show us himself. Um, it's the Song of Songs. We're talking about this. Um, some Bibles label it the Song of Solomon. I think it's probably much more accurately labeled the Song of Songs. It is the love song of all songs of all time. And it's a love song not about how a husband and wife ought to get along, but about how the bridegroom king loves his bride, us, and what he's done for us, and he wants to just reveal himself to us. Here's my, here's my last thing before we're just going to pray and invite God to fill us with his love. Um, in the book of Revelation, if you want to turn there real quick, chapter 3, uh, this was another pivotal moment for me in my life, um, this scripture being unlocked. Uh, he says in verse 8, to the, the, this is a church at Ephesus, sorry, wrong chapter, chapter 2, verse 4. Um, in chapter 2, he's saying, to the angel of the church in Ephesus, the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven golden lampstands, he says this to you. I know your deeds, 
your toil and your perseverance. You cannot tolerate evil men. You put to test those who call themselves apostles and they are not. You found them to be false. You, perse- you have perseverance and have endured for my name's sake and have not grown weary. But I have this against you. You've, you've left your first love, forsaken your first love. And if you go to the book of Ephesians, which is written to the church at Ephesus as well, Paul says in verse, um, verses seven, 17 to 19 in chapter 1, he prays that the, Lord, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. In the knowledge of him. I pray the eyes of your heart be enlightened. He's not praying knowledge as in informational logic. Like, um, I pray God helps you to know more stuff about him. The word knowledge there means intimate knowing. Like, I know him. Like, Jacob took Rachel in the tent and knew her. It's intimacy. It's Song of Solomon intimacy. It's uncomfortable because of what culture has done to just distort love and romance and turn it into weird things. It's not. The love of God is beautiful and romantic and all-consuming, fire. That's him toward us. He wants us to know him intimately, the deepest part of our lives. And out of that place, for his kingdom to flow. I think that there's a move of the spirit of God that's coming that is only possible by the revelation of the love of God and the fullness of the Holy Spirit in the bride. That's it. And it's not in stadiums. I think think we're gonna see stuff happen in large group scenarios as like fruit on the tree, not as the heart of things. When a city is so in love with God that they just wanna come all together to worship him is different than let's have an event and try and get something to happen. That I believe that the Holy Spirit of God wants to bring revival and awakening and revelation of the King of Kings right where we live and work. Like he wants me to go to the guy in the spray booth. He wants me to set down my my cordless drill and walk over to a dude and be like, dude, I just feel like Ellen's gonna pray for you. I do that now, that's normal. Because it's the kingdom everywhere. It's not the kingdom here and then something else somewhere else. It's the kingdom of God is, we're his vessels, so everywhere we go, he's there. And he loves with an all-consuming love. And he wants to fill us with that. So when we're at the office, when we're at home, the love of God flows out of us. The kingdom of God consumes us and flows out of us. So, um, I'm not sure how we're going to end this exactly. If you would stand with me. Um, and I'm just going to invite you to uh, actually lay hands on each other. That might seem a little weird. Um, Aaron mentioned this earlier about we're really supposed to pray for one another. The body of Christ is supposed to like link arms and say, let's go after Jesus together. Let's do this together. Um, The word I felt like the Lord said this morning to me uh, was just unlock. God wants to unlock passion for Christ. He wants to unlock thirst for Jesus. Um, He wants to unlock our hearts to be free to know him like we were made to know him. And so if you would you feel comfortable um, just pray with me for one another let's just lay hands on each other and just pray together and um, we'll end it however Ryan wants to end it one of my favorite bearded believers father we just simply ask you fill us with your love Lord unlock the wellspring of your life in us 
Lord, let all the fear and the striving come off of us, come out of us. Let all of the spirit of religion come out of us. Let all the spirit of uh, the fear of man, the fear of punishment come out of us. Holy Spirit, we invite you to consume us with the love of the Father, the love of the Son. Lord, we, we humble ourselves and just simply admit we can't do your kingdom in our own strength, um, out of our own passion, our own zeal. Would you fuel us with your love? God, pray that as we are in our homes, that the husbands will look at their wives with your love, that wives will look at their husbands with your love, that moms and dads will look at their kids and their grandkids with, with your love, that we would look at lost people with your love. We look at ourselves and see your love, God. You tell us to love each other like we love ourselves. We invite you, Father. Fills with you, fills with your love. Would you remove everything that hinders us knowing you and being filled with you? Thanks for listening today. If you want to find out how to get involved, go to reliancecommunity.org.